0: Hey, welcome to week number five in our series that we're calling The Blessed Life uh, as we're looking at these key statements uh, that Jesus made in Matthew chapter five, uh, often referred to as the Beatitudes, and uh, and really they're so critical in the life of a Christian because it explains who we are, what our identity is, who we're supposed to be by the power of the Holy Spirit, God working through our lives. And, and and Jesus makes these these mic drop statements and at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5 in the Gospels, and it's the beginning of a sermon that goes all the way through Matthew 5, 6, and 7, uh, and he really is unpacking and expanding uh, the, these statements. And sometimes the Beatitudes, these statements that we're looking at this summer, have even been called the... Uh, christians constitution of of what it means our rights that we have what's expected of us as citizens of heaven and so uh today i want to talk about hungry hearts and uh as i was preparing this boy that bruce springsteen song from the 80s kept going through my mind everybody's got a hungry heart go ahead sing along with me no don't do that okay that's that's fine and and uh For all you millennials, have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, That's just because you're kids. And so, anyway... Hungry Hearts, Jesus talks a lot about this. And uh, so let's do kind of a quick review. I want to invite you to go ahead and open up your, your Valley app. You'll be able to follow along. Also, I just want to mention, man, a uh, big shout out to everybody joining us online, our online campus, and also our microsites. So many of those are continuing. And of course, we opened live services last week, had a huge, huge response, you know, based on national averages and, and everything like that. So we have three different options for you. Uh, whatever works best, whatever whatever your comfort level is, online, microsite, or live. Live you do need to reserve ahead of time each week if you're going to join us in person, uh, but uh, three different ways that you can connect with the Valley family, and we're so excited uh, about being able to be live again. Last week was the first time in five months that I actually preached in front of a live audience, uh, You know, room full of Well, it wasn't even a room full. It was like half full with masks, and it was weird, but it was awesome. So here we go. Uh, You know, Let's look at Jesus' words, Matthew chapter 5, and and he says, beginning in verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that's what Pastor Randy covered uh, about what does it mean to see that we're really spiritually bankrupt. And then blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. That was my wife. Pastor Susie did a great job talking about mourning over our sin, and then God comforts us and strengthens us. Last week we looked at, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. That meekness is not weakness, it's really strength. You have to have strength in order to have any kind of meekness. Strength under discipline, under control. And then he goes on and says, and this is what we're going to look at today. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. So this is the blessed life. You and I, if we want to live the blessed life, the life God intended for us, we need to follow and live out these... Beatitudes, these blessedness statements, these blessed statements that Jesus made. And, you know, we live in a culture that's full of people who are hungry and thirsty, uh, but, but so many times we're looking to fill that hunger, fill that craving of our soul, our, that thirst that we have, spiritually speaking. We're looking in all the wrong places, and so that's why we do have hungry hearts. And, and the craving inside... There's only one way to really fill that craving. Have you ever had a craving before? I get cravings sometimes. You know, when you're standing there and you're looking in the refrigerator and uh, it just nothing is really hitting it. Or maybe you go to that little secret candy stash, you know, that's hidden somewhere in the house, in the kitchen, like in our home. And uh, maybe there's some stuff and you're like, no, nothing's just hitting me. You know what I crave? Like, like it's just kind of crazy. Uh, I love cheese, man. I love thin sliced American deli cheese wrapped in that deli white paper. Like I I crave that sometimes and uh, my family would say more than sometimes. And uh, that's like my little evening snack is that I'll go down and just get a couple of slices of cheese. If I'm really being disciplined, it's just a couple of slices of cheese. So I'm just trying to keep it real, all right? Don't hate on me. All you nutritionists out there, let me live my life, okay? So a- anyway, uh, you ever have just this craving and and, uh, and it just seems like nothing really satisfies it? There's maybe nothing in your house that really satisfies it? Uh, we all have spiritual craving as well. And, and Jesus makes it real clear that we hunger and thirst for righteousness. We're going to talk about this word because this is like a kind of a church world nowadays. We're not talking about like, oh, righteous, dude. We're not talking about like, uh, you know, the, the turtles in uh, Finding Nemo or, or anything like that, some California surfer. It's not righteous. It's not that kind of righteousness. But, but whoever hungers and thirsts for righteousness for this, Jesus says, you'll be filled you'll be satisfied. So three different things about this statement that Jesus makes here uh, that I want to unpack. First of all, the possibility of righteousness. The possibility of righteousness. What what is righteousness all about? Now, here's the interesting thing about this word, righteousness, uh, you know, and and we're going to explain it, kind of drill down deep into it. It's interesting that in the other gospels, Mark, Luke, and John, that tell about jesus's life his teaching his ministry mark luke and john this word righteousness is only used one other time one other time in the other three gospels but in matthew's gospel it actually appears seven times in matthew's gospel this word righteousness and not only that But five times in this Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, five different times in this one sermon, Jesus talks about righteousness. This is the first time. And so, uh, there's a good practice, uh, uh, maybe you've never heard this before, whenever you come across a word in the Bible that you may not understand, uh, it's really good and helpful to look up other passages of Scripture that have that word in it as well, to shed light on it, to kind of give it its context. So, so compare Scripture with Scripture is what the the biblical interpretation principle really is. So, with that in mind, I want to look at the other four instances in this same sermon that Jesus is giving on righteousness, how he uses this word righteousness. And it'll help us to understand what he means when he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So here's the next instant. And and what it tells us is this, righteousness marks Christians and invites opposition by the world. But we're going to find is the next time he uses righteousness, what he's telling us is righteousness marks a Christian. It's supposed to be a hallmark of my life, your life, as a follower of Jesus Christ. And it also invites opposition from the world. So, so in other words, the world, the world system, the culture of the world is going to hate Christians when we do what we're supposed to do when we're righteous. It, it doesn't make us it doesn't put us on the same rails as the world in fact it puts us in the opposite direction of the direction that the world is going in really important especially nowadays see as christians we're not supposed to be some kind of subculture of the world we're supposed to be counter that we're swimming against the current not going along with the current A lot of Christians going along with the current today and they're losing what it means to really be a follower of Jesus Christ. That's why it's so important that we look at the constitution of Christianity, the Beatitudes this summer, the summer of 2020, one of the weirdest years ever. To remind us, oh, that's what Jesus expects of his followers. Oh, that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. Righteousness marks Christians and invites opposition from the world. Look at what Jesus says, Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Just a few verses later. Blessed are those who are persecuted, not because they have annoying personalities. That's not it. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Why? Because of righteousness. Because you are living the life God created you to live, you will find persecution. The world will rise up against you. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, and watch what the promise is, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They get it. They understand. They're not swimming with the current of the world. They're swimming against the current. And they will inherit the kingdom of God. Righteousness, pretty amazing. The the next time in this same sermon that Jesus talks about righteousness, he points out that righteousness starts in the heart and it changes a person from the inside out. Righteousness starts in the heart and it changes a person from the inside out. Look at what he says, Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. He says, for I tell you, he's talking to the crowd here, big old crowd, outdoor, kind of amphitheater feel, and he's sitting on a rock and he, he's, he's making these statements these mic drop statements and he's he's preaching then expanding upon him and goes for i tell you unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law you will certainly not enter into the kingdom of heaven do you hear what he's saying about this is really important this whole idea of righteousness he's like if you don't get this you don't get heaven if if you don't understand righteousness what it means to live a righteous life, you will not enter heaven. I don't know about you, but I really want to know what he's talking about here. And in this case, there was probably a collective gasp when he made this statement about righteousness. Because he says, unless your righteousness surpasses the Pharisees and the teacher of the law, they were considered the most holy people in Judaism at the time, the holiest of holy, they were like held up as the standard of those that were closest to God. And he tells the crowd, no, nope, that's still not enough. You're not going to enter into heaven, even if, unless you're more holy, unless you're more righteous than the Pharisees. See, the Pharisees had created In Judaism, all these extra layers of these outside uh, rules and regulations that supposedly would show how devoted you were, how committed you were. Remember we talked about that last week, the difference between commitment and surrender. It wasn't about surrender, it was commitment. All this outward show to show how righteous they were. And Jesus says, you're missing the whole point because it's not about outward show It's not even about church attendance. It's not even about how much scripture you can quote. It's about, has God changed your heart? Righteousness starts on the inside and then works its way to the outside. So many times, so many people's experience with church, and, and, and I pray it never would be your experience with Valley Christian Church, so many people their are experienced with churches, uh, when, when they first come in, people give them a set of rules and regulations, don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this, and, and try to get their outward actions looking right and never address the heart, and it's completely the wrong way, because righteousness starts in the heart. And it changes a person from the inside out. That's why we say here at Valley Christian Church, there's only one rule, no perfect people allowed. We're not perfect, I'm not perfect. No one here is perfect. And and so we're not trying to put on a perfect facade, perfect mask, and pretend like we're perfect when inside our hearts are just totally wrong. We want to be real with one another and real with Jesus so that by his power, his power, he changes our hearts. And that goes from the inside out. So that's why I always tell my wife, I'm like, baby, you think I'm something? now? you ain't seen nothing yet because God's working. He's, he's making me into a better man. He's making me into a better husband and father and friend and, and, and pastor and boss and, and, and br- what brother, whatever. But, but it doesn't happen when we put on this mask and pretend like everything's fine, everything's perfect. Glory to God, hallelujah, amen, thank you, Jesus. You know, Jesus didn't talk like that, by the way. That's just pretense, that's just religion, and that's what Jesus is striking against. Here's the third thing that Jesus talks about righteousness. He says, righteousness only needs to be seen by God. Righteousness only needs to be seen by God. In in other words, you're never righteous when you're trying to impress people. What does God think about it? That's the most important thing. Look at what he says this next occurrence. Same sermon, Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Your your actions. Be be careful you're not trying to get a photo op to impress people and you're not impressing God. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. When, when, When we're trying to do stuff to impress people, that's as much reward as we get. However many people like our post. No reward in heaven. That there's supposed to be this sense of righteousness that it's just in front of God. And so I'm, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care if anyone knows what I'm doing. I'm, I'm just living for the applause of those nail-scarred hands. Just for Jesus, not for anybody else. You, you know, I think it's kind of cool even, I was thinking about this. This whole, this whole idea of, of our righteousness not supposed to be practiced in front of us. I think it's really cool, kind of like in terms of technology, what we've been forced to do. I think about even like, a, you know, normally we would kind of like pass the offering basket, and we can't even do that now. So, so we have online giving. Nobody knows what's given. Nobody knows who's putting their hand in there to drop something in there. Nobody, nobody knows that. It's like it's pushed us all to practice what Jesus was talking about. That our righteousness is not seen by men. But only our Father in heaven through online text to give, online giving, our prayer time, even that, you know, we're alone doing it. Nobody else sees us. There's there's something really pure and right about what we do in the secret place instead of hoping people notice us. The Pharisees were all about people noticing the good stuff that they were doing. It was all about the outward show. And then here's the fourth thing that Jesus says about righteousness. Righteousness seeks God's approval above all, above everyone else. When we live righteously, we're just concerned. It doesn't matter. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Like the old words of the great hymn. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. I'm living for God's approval and no one else's. That's righteousness. Look at what he says, Matthew chapter 6, same sermon. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. I'm sorry, verse 33. He says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Put God at the center of your life and it's pretty interesting what he's talking about right before this in Matthew 6 he's talking about where you're going to eat what you're going to eat he's talking about roof over your head he's talking about clothes on your back he's doing all this analogy in nature and all and he goes but here's the thing don't, ch- don't chase after clothes and food and, and, and material possessions Seek God first. Put God first in every area of your life. His kingdom and His righteousness, you follow after God's way, the way that He's explaining as a follower of Christ, I'm supposed to live. He expects you to live as well. And all these things will be given to you. He goes, God's going to take care of those who put Him first. That's the blessed life. That's the blessed life. Seek Him first. Seek Him first. Prioritize Him in your calendar. Prioritize God in your schedule. Prioritize God in your giving. Prioritize God in your day. In terms of prayer and scripture, put God first and He'll take care of everything else. Seek first His kingdom. Not Greg's kingdom. Not not some worldly kingdom. And His righteousness. Live in life the way He created you and I to live it. And all these things. And literally, he's talking, you can just look up higher up in Matthew 6. He's talking about earthly possessions will be given to you. God will take care of those who put him first. So, so I like to put it this way uh, a Christian's seeker, he says, seek first. A Christian seeker should be pointed in a completely different direction than someone who doesn't know Christ. We should be seeking in a completely different direction, seeking God first than someone who doesn't follow Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this question. What, what are you seeking in life right now? Fame? Fortune? Career advancement? Good salary? Secure future? Happy retirement? Marriage partner? The fulfillment of your dreams? None of those things are wrong unless they come before God. Anything that's first before Him becomes unrighteousness. Seek Him first. And all these things will be given as well. So if we put these five passages together... From the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus uses this word righteousness, this is kind of a summary of of what is being said about righteousness in the Sermon on the Mount. What does it mean, hunger and thirst after righteousness? This is what it means. A genuine Christian life that changes us from the inside out so that we no longer seek the praise of men, but seek God's approval above else. That's what it means to hunger and thirst after righteousness. That's what righteousness is. That's what righteousness is. Let me just say it one more time. A genuine Christian life that changes us from the inside out so that we no longer seek the praise of men, but seek God's approval above else. God is first. God is at the center of everything that we do. And this kind of life, this righteous life is possible. It is possible, in fact, Jesus plainly says that anyone who lives this way, it's like God can't help but bless them. It doesn't mean it's going to be an easy life. In fact, we saw that live this way, the world's going to persecute you. And don't we see that happening more and more and more, even in our country today? Because our Christian faith that that the turning against it's a big joke. Can't do that. Can't even sing in church. Some states right now. Can't even have a, a, a another family home to over to your house to study the Bible has actually been said. You're, that is not legal. In California today, right now as we speak. You cannot do that. It's it's prohibited. But we can live this life. I guess the big question is, why aren't we living this life right now? Why aren't we living a righteous life right now? I, I think it has to do with the next part of this verse. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Let's talk about the power of hunger. The power of hunger. The people that Jesus is teaching to just, just, you know, sometimes we talk about hunger. We're kind of disconnected from it. But when when Jesus is speaking these words, these mic drop statements, that crowd, they knew what it was like to be hungry. Because there was no go down to the grocery store and get some food. It's agricultural society. And they know what it feels like to actually be hungry. You know, me, I miss a meal. I'm like, oh, I'm dying of hunger. No, I'm not. You know, most of them are probably like one meal a day. Sometimes don't even know when their next meal's coming from. And so when Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, the crowd, the original crowd that heard these words, they knew what hunger pain was. They knew what it was like to to not be able to find clean water for for days sometimes. And, And so... Jesus uses this metaphor of eating and drinking as a motivating power to live the righteous life, the life, the blessed life. So, so four facts really, really quick about that will help us to f- uh, fill the spiritual hunger of our hearts that lead to a righteous life. The first thing is this you gotta want it. You, you, you gotta want it. I mean, think about it. You can't ever make someone, you can't force someone to eat. Mamas and dads, can I hear an amen? <laughs> How many times you know, a little kid, no, you need to eat. Uh, you can't force someone to eat. They have to want it yourself. You, you can't force someone to be spiritual hungry. You, 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 there's nothing you can do to, to your, your, your spouse or, or family member or a friend. You, you, you can't get them to turn to Jesus for him to satisfy the craving of their heart and their soul, the the hunger of their heart. You you gotta gotta want it yourself. Here's the second thing, You, you have to take action. You have to take action. And see, here's the problem, to fill spiritual hunger and thirst, many people are going to wrong places to fill it. Pleasure, performance, possessions, living on junk food, looking for another job that's going to make them happy, another marriage, another vacation, all the while thinking all I need to do is just this one thing that I don't do or don't have right now, and that's going to make me happy. But nothing will satisfy except for Jesus. Jesus. I love how it puts Isaiah chapter 55, verse 2 in the message translation. It says, why do you spend your money in, on junk food, your hard-earned cash on cotton candy? Listen to me, listen well. Eat only the best, fill yourself with only the finest. I love that in the message translation, cotton candy. Because you know what, we have a lot of uh, cotton candy Christians. Cotton candy I mean, you ever get cotton candy? You know, it's on like the cone. And it's like this huge big thing. It's like, woohoo! look at me. I'm a cotton candy Christian. Look at how big I am, awesome I am. Man, God's mighty man of faith and power for the hour. And then you just take a bite and it just melts. Big fluff, no character. No content. Whoa, cotton candy. That's like the Pharisees were... That's cotton candy religion, all about the outside. But no real substance on the inside. Why you spend your money in, on junk food, spiritual junk food, all kinds of stuff you think are going to satisfy? They don't. Your hard-earned cash on cotton candy? Listen to me. Listen well. Eat only the best. Fill yourself only with the finest. And that's Jesus. That's Jesus. And so the, the 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 third step is this you have to keep coming back for more. You know, it's not like a, a little dabble, do you? We, we need to keep returning back and allowing Jesus in our relationship with Christ to fill us, to transform us daily and prioritizing Him and putting Him first. Then you have to eat the whole thing. You don't, don't leave leave leftovers. There's no leftovers. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus taught the disciples to pray. We need to go to him daily. And we need to take in everything that he has for us. That's the power of hunger. And all that is so important because the last part of this verse, this beatitude, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, is so important. And that's the promise of fulfillment. They shall be filled. They shall be filled. The final part of the verse is a promise from God. They will be filled. With what? Food? No. Bank account full of money? No. Long life? I don't think so. Promotion? No. Will they have a perfect family if they're righteous? No. Trouble-free life? I don't think so. What then? What are they going to be filled with? Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Living the life that God created them to live. Putting Him first. Prioritizing Him. Not going with the current culture, the, the cultural current swimming against it, not not seeking the things of this world but seeking Jesus first, His kingdom first and His righteousness. You'll be filled with righteousness is the promise. You, you'll experience, I'll experience the blessed life that God made me for, that God created you for. See if you want righteousness, you can have it. I'd put it this way, the choice is yours. If you want it, you can be close to God. And think about it this way, today, right now, you're as close to God as you want to be. Right now, in this moment. I, I, by, by all the decisions I've made in my life, I am as close to God right now as I want to be, as I choose to be. If you want it, you can have a better marriage with Christ at the center of it. If you want it, you can do God's will by following the direction of His Holy Spirit inside. If you want it, you can grow spiritually if you make the choice to do that. If you want to, you can become the man or the woman of God that God created you to be. If you want to, By the power of the Holy Spirit, you can change the deeply ingrained habits that are holding you down and holding you back right now. If you want to, you can break destructive patterns and behavior. Not on your own, but by hunger and thirsting for righteousness. And you'll be filled with the power that raised Christ from the dead, His Holy Spirit. That's the promise of fulfillment. When you hunger and thirst after righteousness, when you want what God wants more than anything else in this world, more than anything this world has to offer, you'll have it. Not only will you be filled with righteousness, the promise is when you and I hunger and thirst for righteousness, you know what? You'll be filled with Jesus. You'll be filled with Jesus. You know, when you think about it, Jesus' appeal is always very, very personal all throughout the Gospels. He, He says, come unto me. When Jesus says you'll be filled, he means you'll be filled with his presence, his power, his spirit. If you're hungry, Jesus says, come, eat the bread of life. If you're thirsty, he says, come, drink from the water of life. If you're weary and heavy laden, like we looked at last week, he says, come to me, learn meekness, and you'll find rest. If you're guilty, he says, come to me, and you'll be forgiven. If you're far from God, he says, come back home. He hasn't moved. He's waiting for you. See, So many of us, we have full stomachs but we have empty hearts, hungry hearts. Because we're trying to fill the hunger of our hearts with anything and everything except the one who can really only satisfy us. And that's Jesus. And you know, I think even in this, you know, the shutdown, quarantine, we, when all this stuff was kind of not available to us so much, or binging on Netflix, just we didn't even want to do that anymore. We realized, you know what? There, there really is a hunger inside, and I and I don't quite know how to fill it. It's something empty. Only Jesus, when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, his way, how God created you to live, putting God at the center, then we're filled. You'll never be happy until you put God at the center of your life. And you can never do that until you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, once and for all. You know, one of the most uh, quoted church fathers, probably since the Apostle Paul, no one has had a greater impact on Christianity than Augustine, St. Augustine. Augustine put it this way, O God, you have made us for yourself and your hearts are restless until they find rest in you. Pretty, Pretty amazing, even in church history, that Augustine was actually an African. One of the greatest church fathers since the Apostle Paul. So many went back to him and continue to go back to him to this day because, man, a lot of what he said, he had it right. You have made us for yourself, God. And our hearts are restless. Our hearts, can I put it this way? Are hungry. Until they find rest in you. So let me give you the good news. If you got a hungry heart today, that is the best way to approach God and surrender your life to Him and give Him everything. Put Him at the center. Salvation begins with a hungry heart and a thirst for righteousness. If you've tried, you've been living, and you realize there's still just this gnawing inside, it's because God made you for himself. And our hearts are restless until we find rest in him. Jesus said, Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So let me ask you today, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? You can be filled. Jesus made you this promise. And there's no better thing that we could do than to respond to Jesus right now, who gave himself as a sacrifice for you and a sacrifice for me, and allow him to satisfy the hunger and thirst of our hearts. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, for many of us over the last few months, we, it's, it's really become very, very obvious that, that we've, been, we've been trying to fill the hunger of our hearts with just a bunch of fluff like cotton candy. Trying to impress other people, Lord, and, and having put you first at the center of our life. Father, I thank you for your mercy that we're going to be talking about Just a few days here, Jesus' words about mercy. Lord, I thank you that your mercy is available to us when we come to you with our hungry hearts and our thirst for righteousness. So God, forgive us. I just ask you to forgive me. Forgive us, Lord, for putting other things in that first place, the center of our lives where you and you alone deserve to be. And God, I pray that that, that your words that we have heard today from the Bible and that Jesus spoke to us and lived out before us, Lord, would remind us to turn to you with our hunger, to turn to you with our spiritual hunger and thirst, and only you will satisfy us each and every day right now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to give you an opportunity if you've never taken that first step of faith to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That's why Jesus came to live a sinless life and to will lay that life down as a sacrifice and a substitute for you, for me on the cross. And he rose again three days later. He paid the price for your personal sins. And he says, come. Hungry and thirsty, spiritually hungry and empty, come to me. If you've never done it before, I want to just lead you in a prayer right now that you can repeat after me. I invite you to open your heart to Jesus. Surrender your life to him right now. Just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, Forgive me of my sins. I turn from my sin today. Jesus, thank you for living for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising from the dead for me. Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. I receive you today. I surrender my heart to you. I ask you to lead me Guide me, direct me by your Holy Spirit from this day forward, and I will follow you. Amen.